Welcome to the WMKT Week in Review. Today I'm joined by Parker Fairburn, a Harbor Springs native who is running as a Republican for the House 107th District. When you first see Parker, the first thing you would know is his age. Parker's 22. If you're wondering, the minimum age is 21 for holding office in the Michigan House. And if you weren't aware yet, I'm only 23. So as you can tell, Northern Michigan political scene is in very good hands. Parker, thanks for being on. How are you? Thanks, Nick, for having me. I'm doing well. I'm super excited. And I will note, uh, tomorrow I will be turning 23, so I'm almost out of the 22 space. Okay, well, that's that's very important. I think that was the, the biggest concern. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're soon to be married. You're finishing up college. Lots going on. What made you want to run? I've always had this passion for politics. It's been our table talk at our house since I was very little. Uh, it means a lot to me, and it, it is the center of a lot of people's lives uh, all across the nation. So I think it's important to be invested in it, and I just want to make a difference up here. So that's that's my big go-to why I want to do this. Sure. You know, and I, I heard your wedding is the, the day before the votes get counted, I think. So are you attempting to honeymoon in Lansing? Is that the plan? That's a good one. Um, actually, so our wedding's three days before three days, the okay. primary, and uh, it is going to be a busy year, but the wedding was planned before I decided to jump <laughs> into this. So we've got uh, we got a lot of work to do, but we're going to put a pause on the honeymoon until, um, until after I win. <laughs> sure. Dressing the elephant in the room for voters, and sometimes my questions run long, so we go back, you know, we can go back point sure. by point. Some... People might be concerned about the age um, on the constituent side. For you know, Northern Michigan is a very old area. I think the average age is in like the high fifties. Yep. Because uh, you know, retirement. So, forty-year-olds might be worried about sending someone down to Lansing to represent them. That's you know half their age. Um, and then with the whole Lee Chatfield story, um, where his lack of life experience played heavily into his decision making. Mm-hmm. So let's start with like the line of questioning is. What experience do you have that would qualify you for this position? And then what would you say for someone who is worried at the chance of electing an, like another Lee Chatfield? Sure. So the first thing I'll address, and it's, uh, it's a pretty simple thing, if age and experience determine quality, Joe Biden would be a really good president. And I, I stand behind that. I think he's been in for so long. So I, I don't think uh, age, it's more the work ethic and the ability to want to work hard for Northern Michigan in the 107th. And I think when you're young and you have, um, that, that youth and, uh, energy, I think that can't be replicated very easily. So I'm, I'm invested in working hard and bringing a lot of energy to the table. Sure. And so how would, so that's great, you know, to address that first portion so maybe more on the the life experience leading into like the ethical side to you know avoid the whole avoid you know any fiasco like Lee. How how would you you know explain that side of it? Yep. So I'm I'm truly going to use age as an asset for my campaign. That's what I've been running on. I'm also going to utilize my family and my support system. I I think that's crucial. My family's been in Northern Michigan for 130 plus years. We've had an extensive amount of businesses up here. And I'm going to really pull on that that background. Our our last name um, over in Alanson, our slogan over there is House of Service, and that's truly what I want to do is serve the people. I'm I'm going to rely on my family, my fiance, soon to be wife. Um, she's going to be coming down with with me to Lansing as she's still continuing school. So I think that's going to be crucial and 
and keeping my morals and ethics. And I think it's also important to note that I'm running on integrity, truth, and transparency. That's one of my guiding principles for my campaign. Uh, so that's that's something I'm really going to focus towards. I'd like to see more uh, more legislation geared towards integrity. Michigan has some of the weakest integrity legislation uh, in the country. So I'd like to start addressing that and seeing more more transparency for the legislature. Sure. So, you know, if you're elected, you've won over the constituency base, you know. So you, you're down in Lansing and it's a bunch of older men who have been there for several years or have, you know, moved from the Senate to the House or have just been in the House for a while or have held previous political positions. So they know the game really well. So how would you get them to take you seriously? Yeah, so that's a super cool point, and that's one of my big differentiators with my campaign. So I actually spent time working down in Lansing last year. I visited every single legislator's office down there, both Democrat and Republican, House and Senate, and I have a lot of good relationships with a lot of the people down there. So that's something I'd like to note. But also, um, I'm really close with the, the movers and shakers down there. So a lot of the lobbying firms down there, I know the people, I know who, who I need to go to to get stuff down down there. So that's a big selling point for me that I won't be going in there uh, blind like, like some people would. I, I have those relationships already pre-made down there. So that's a, that's a big one. Sure. The new state maps are uh, making the Republican majority in the House much narrower. Some pundits are saying that Democrats could flip the House. Either outcome, you'd have to work with those on either side of the aisle. And so you got a, had a nice transition. You went into all political affiliations offices. Are you someone who likes to compromise in order to get things done? Or are many of your principles too important to give any ground on? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I'd like to attack this from the governor point of view. I think that we need to get Whitmer out of there if we're going to make meaningful change down in Lansing. So that's something I'm super passionate about. I think Republicans and Democrats have been trying to get legislation passed down there, and it's come to a stalemate on Whitmer's desk as she vetoes a lot of crucial legislation that would help the state. So that's something that I'm focused on. I want to I need to win my primary and get in there first before I can make change. But if we can get the governor out of there, that's a good step in the right direction. So you're, you're basically saying that there is a there is a fair portion of bipartisan legislation coming out of Lansing, but it's Whitmer who's holding up a lot of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Some election integrity legislation that I think is super crucial. She's vetoed almost everyone because she doesn't want to rehash that stuff. So I think stuff like that is super important to the to our constituents, and that's something I'd fight for down in Lansing. So what issues are the most important to you, then? What would you be working on down there? Mm-hmm. Well, there's kind of there's three big ones up here, and I've knocked on a lot of doors already and talked with a lot of constituents. Housing's the biggest one I hear. 75% of the time, people are talking about housing, mental health, and safe and affordable energy. Those are the three three big components, and I'm sure we'll be talking about each one of those. Sure. Before we get into some of those topics, some that you mentioned, some not, what would be, since you're so young, what is your long-term outlook on a political political career? You didn't waste any time running for state senate. So if you're elected, you serve out your term or terms. Um, is that something that you want to do running for higher office? Or are you kind of more of a believer that it's like holding a political office is not necessarily a, a career? Yep, that's a good question. And uh, I, right now, I want to focus on serving the people well as their state representative, and that's something I, I truly want to focus on. You need to 
sight in on the job at hand. But if the people like me and I do a really good job, I I wouldn't be opposed to looking further down the road. And I think you gotta have dreams and shoot for the stars and see where you end up. So that's that's a sure. philosophy I've I've lived behind. Kind of like wrapping up on that that same topic. So John DeMoose is vacating his seat. He could have run for another term. There's been a couple of you know individuals who've like, well, when we we vote for someone who is in a Republican stronghold, we hope that they you know run as long as they can for that specific seat. Is that is that something that you believe is you know you make a commitment to the people? You should probably f- serve them for that entire length of time that you're able to, or do you think that? you as an individual should deem where you feel like you're going to be the most, you know, effective? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. And in, in the case of John, I think he, he saw a great opportunity to keep serving the community and serving our district. And I, I think, I think it was a good move on his part. I don't want to talk too much on, on his decision-making, but um, I think you do have that job that you need to, that you get hired for, but, uh, when opportunities come, uh, you're you have the personal uh, wherewithal to make that decision to change. So, sure. So, getting into some issues, um, not one that you mentioned, but you you mentioned the governor by name, and this is you know she played a massive role in it. A lot of constituents are upset about how the pandemic was handled. How would you work to make sure tight restrictions never happen again if something similar were to arise? Yep, and that's something I really want to fight for in Lansing. If that ever does happen again, I will be a loud voice down in Lansing that it can't happen. It's uh, It was unconstitutional, and I think if we can get a, a flip in the governor's uh, seat, that some big stuff can happen in terms of punishment for her because I, I think it was handled super poorly. Uh, businesses suffering. Uh, I've talked with so many business owners in the 107th and they're all disappointed with her handling of of the pandemic. So that's something that I, I would fight for down in Lansing. You know, about governors, political parties have been become more, you know, divided over the course of years, but even still, it's not every single state the, the outgoing governor is just hated by the opposition. Uh, and Michigan seems to have a pretty horrific recent history of that. You know, uh, starting back from Granholm, wasn't very well beloved by Republicans. Uh, Snyder, with the whole Flint water crisis, there was even some bipartisan, you know, mistrust there. And then Whitmer is super, you know, divisive amongst Democrat and Republicans. And then, you know, moderates are generally split at this time. How can Michigan get out of the rut of just electing extraordinarily partisan governors that, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, just kind of enforce their will by vetoing bills that don't align with their own views, even if it is bipartisan legislation? Yeah, I, you need to get a governor that that truly wants to work with the legislature, both House and Senate. And I don't I don't see that right now. I think she's in her own box and she's she doesn't really care what the legislator is putting out of it's. If it's stuff that opposes her ideology, she's not looking to work with it. And I think we needed to have a governor that that's willing to work a little harder with the legislature. So the the topic of abortion is something that obviously is, it is on your website, but it's starting to heat up more as in a national conversation, you know, as some issues kind of have like flow with the trends and they're super popular sometime and they dip down in the conversation at other times. But starting to heat up again as the Supreme Court is hearing the Dobbs uh, versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case. So the the court side of the Dobbs would be, in essence, overturning Roe v. Wade 
and Michigan has had an abortion ban on the books from 1933, which would likely be reinstated. Most Republican governor candidates, uh, majority of lawmakers in the state, at like the, the Senate and the House level, said they'll support the ban along with uh, Republican attorney general candidates. However, abortion is that one issue that can mobilize a Democratic and mostly and moderate base as well, like none other. And it could really change the tide of an election, especially in a year where state maps have been rewritten to make it even narrower. So many experts are expecting what it otherwise could be a red wave to be even narrower and potentially even a flip. So how would you handle the abortion topic? And would you welcome a ban from the Supreme Court, in essence, even if it meant that Republicans potentially lose elections in Michigan? Yeah, I think there's a side of that where you need to stick to your morals and your guns. And I think that's something that I'm going to do. I'm pro-life 100%, and that's something I'm super passionate about. I want to see... I want to be that voice for that unborn child that doesn't have a voice. And I, I think they need a little better representation down in Lansing and uh, in terms of lawmaking. So that's something I want to do, I'm passionate about. In terms of the election and the upcoming election and how it brings people out, um, I, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Republicans coming out of the woodworks to start supporting this stuff, not be so quiet about it. and really start um, making meaning, me, meaningful change in the legislature. So it kind of ties into that. You know, abortion has been become a political uh, issue, even though it's not necessarily like, you know, allocation of resources or defense or a, a purely political issue. How do you view the tie in between culture and politics and would you just want to be i'm here for political issues or do you want to play into the culture as well that's an interesting question and uh, i think culture when you're making laws culture gets affected by it so i i think the two marry together quite well and that's something that i would be looking to to help change is changing the culture I'm, I'm running on, I want to bring more young conservatives into politics, and I think that's changing the Republican culture right now. I'd, I'd like to see more young conservatives getting involved in their communities, uh, getting out to the voting booths more. That's something I'm super passionate about. Uh, conservatives need to work a little harder at that, and I think my age uh, really plays well into that, getting the young people out. So that's something I, I really want to work for. Sure. So... You're looking, as you said, to get young conservatives involved in politics. You're trying to um, do a handful of other things. So, you know, how would you handle it's not I'm not asking you like, oh, would you like accept like a, an endorsement from Donald Trump sort of thing. But um, some moderates in the Republican Party or just independent voters are still worried about the uh, the cult of personality surrounding Donald Trump within the Republican Party, mm-hmm. whether you agree with his issues or, you know, his um, the way he handles issues or not. How would you handle being involved in a political party with or without Trump? What do you think is a good direction? Are you focused on the issues or do you want to or are you not pro-Trump for lack of words, but are you someone who tends to agree with how those things were handled by him? And Sure. You know? So one thing I, I really want to run on for this, and I think it's crucial for our Republican Party, is I want to unite the Republican Party. I think our party is really divided right now, and that's something that I want to address is uh, helping us to work together, not attacking each other, but working constructively together to make meaningful change for Michigan. 
that's something I'm so passionate about and I think is crucial to our democracy. All right, we'll be right back for more questions with Parker right after these messages. California has just asked its population to not plug in their electric cars due to a energy shortage. You're making our arguments too easy. Hey, they keep telling you to buy electric cars, and we keep saying we need more energy, and they're already telling you not to plug them in. It's not a magic box in the wall. That's connected to most likely a coal fire plant or a nuclear plant. The Glenn Beck Program. On WMKT. There's one man on this earth who really, truly gets it. We are told that these MiGs won't make a difference because they have the Stinger missile to hit jets and helicopters. And yet we're also told that's a red line. Apparently, if you give them MiGs that are unnecessary, that won't help them, that's the line that will entice or encourage Putin to use nuclear weapons. Now, how stupid is this? Mark Levin is on the radio. Weeknights at 6 on WMKT. Welcome back to the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. We're with Parker Fairburn, a candidate for the House 107th District. So, as someone who's been in school a little bit more recently than some of your opponents, critical race theory is a relatively new topic to the political scene. What has your experience been with that? Have you witnessed it personally? Do you believe it's being taught? Um, If you haven't witnessed it personally, do you still believe it's being taught? And how would you handle what gets taught in public schools and who gets to decide? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good question, and I'd like to start with the woke left have hijacked our school systems. I, it, I've i seen it. My fiance's seen it. Uh, it's pretty apparent, and we need to make a stand to this. I, I think the parents parents need to have their voices heard, and they're not, not being heard right now. Parents are starting to come out at school board meetings, and I think that's amazing for for our, our children, but I... I urge us to stop moving in the direction that the left has us going towards and creating more divide in terms of race. And let's, let's come together and start working together and um, showing America's history that, that is truly amazing. Uh, I think that needs to be elaborated on more because it's starting to get thrown to the wayside. So that's in terms of education and the NCRT, that's, that's where I stand with that. Sure. So what would you, on the same note, though, how, what would you say to someone who's a bit more raw, moderate, you know, moderate Democrat, moderate Republican or independent who kind of sees the issue? Maybe it's being taught at a more broad national level, but you're a northern Michigan representative and northern Michigan is very conservative. And so is it really being taught in our schools and do we really need to worry about it? Up here, there you can get rogue teachers who do teach um Forms of CRT, it's not necessarily in the curriculum per se, but uh, when you get further south in Michigan, there's been cases of it. It's it's mostly at the national level right now. In northern Michigan, it's not so much of an issue, but I think we need to start uh, hitting this stuff before it starts coming up and spreading uh, as more people start moving up here. I guess it's remaining on the topic of education. How, what is your uh, opinion on school choice? School choice, so that's something I'm behind. I think more competition is better. 
Um, so I'll kind of go into my background a little bit. I went to super entrepreneurial school and I, th I think we need to live by that philosophy. It's what makes America so great is competition. It, it makes teachers, makes schools uh, more competitive. And I think that's part of the formula that's missing in schools is that competitiveness. There's no, there's no desire or urge to want to be better or to attract new students. It's, uh, it's more of a status thing, and I'd like to see uh, more competition at, uh, within public schools, but also that all above education. So the private schools, the home schools, and the charter schools. I, I think more competition is good for, for our students' education. So due to a lack of representatives, due to population discrepancies, Northern Michigan and the UP often get hosed when it comes to funding. How would you fight for our fair share of uh, dollars? Yep. So I, I think you need to have a loud voice down in Lansing and someone who's unafraid and unabashedful to stand up for that. It's been an issue for a very long time. But I think you need to mention the points that bring people up here. I, I think a lot of people, no one goes and says, I'm going to go on vacation in Detroit for the weekend. That's, that's not where they go. They like coming up to northern Michigan, enjoying our beaches, our waters, our forests. Um, so I think we need to factor that into the equation down in Lansing, and that's something that I would be uh, a proud supporter of. So... I can't remember if I saw on your website or not, line five, where do you stand on that? Yeah, so that's a super cool issue, an important issue for me. And it's a big one to voters right now. That's, that's the third one I've been hearing the most of is this energy. So line five, I visited with Enbridge a couple weeks ago and I got the whole rundown on how this tunnel project is gonna go and it's super cool. So they're gonna drill down 500 feet approximately on the Mackinac City side, so the lower peninsula side. And they're gonna they're basically gonna dredge and go under the the seabed so they'll be a hundred feet below the seabed with the tunnel and with line five so that that argument that the left has that uh, it's not safe and we don't want to pollute the waters it, it's a good thing for environmentalists I think it's only a positive thing it's going to bring a lot of jobs up here but then I think we need to look at um, keeping those people after they work up here there's going to be hundreds of employees from Enbridge um, that will be working on this project. And I think that's something that we need to try and attract. So that's where you get into the housing problem where how do we attract people to Northern Michigan? Uh, we need, we need more housing. Sure. Just kind of a shameless plug is I just, my, the most recent interview that I did was with, uh, Jennifer McKay from tip of the mitt. We talked about line five, because as you mentioned, this is one of the most hot button topics for Northern Michigan. And it's an issue that I've discussed with other candidates as well. So if you want more um, of a position, uh, if you want to understand where they're coming from, that interview is available now as well. So you can go, go ahead and listen to that. So what is an issue that Republicans miss on that you would think is important to focus on? That's a really good question. And I think the big one, and I've touched on it, is engaging the youth. I think the Democrat Party does a lot better job engaging the youth. So I want to be that voice for the conservative youth that says, you know what, you don't have to be at the end of your career to enter politics. I think that's a, a facade that gets put on that you have to be at the end of your career to do this. And I want to show young people that, hey, you can, you can do this. You can be young and enter this arena if you want to. Sure. So I'm not exactly sure the, uh, the, the details on it, but I remember researching it 
quite a while ago that Michigan has one of the highest um, salaries for representatives, but it, it's still not the highest, but certainly much higher than like Texas and some of the southern states. The, I think the concern that a lot of young people have is getting involved in politics is it's a lot of time. It's very little money. They're trying to build their careers and, you know, they, they can't really get involved in that way per se. So how, how would you explain to someone that like, well, is it is it worth trying to give up some salary in order to serve or how would you handle that and how would you explain that to people that you're trying to get involved in politics? Yeah, and I'll give my example of that. I think, you know, this is a public service job and people need to understand that you're doing this for the good of America, for the good of Michigan and your constituents. There's 95,000 constituents in our district and I truly want to serve them the best I can. And I want them I want them to know that, that you need to have someone who's willing to work hard and truly wants to make a difference down there. So I think that that needs to be addressed. So I asked one of your opponents, Jonathan Scheel, when he was on the show, that, you know, it's pothole season here. Our roads are terrible. It's one of the another leading issue for northern Michigan residents or largely Michigan residents as well. Uh, what would your plan be to get roads repaired and limit potholes Mm -hmm. and that's a really good question Um, I think we need to focus on getting Whitmer out that was her big campaign slogan was fixing the roads and we see a lot more traffic cones but we don't see the workers so I think we need to incentivize getting more workers and more help if we want to fix these roads I think some of the the plans uh, for the roads in terms of architecture could be could be touched up to make them better but uh, I think we need to attract more more workers who are willing to work on the roads. I think that's essential in widespread uh, road expansion and uh, success. So I think part of the reason the roads are so bad is because there's a lot of corner cutting because it's so expensive to maintain these roads. And there's very few options the government has in order to raise revenue. So... Do you have any plans on raising revenue, and do you think that voters would be okay with a tax increase if it meant that roads were longer lasting, or do you think they would rather keep their taxes where they are instead of, and then just kind of deal with the roads as is? I would, uh, personally talking with people, they don't want to see more taxes going towards the roads. We already have the gas tax that's supposed to go towards the roads and other stuff like that, so I don't think people really want to see tax increases and one of the things i'm running on is small business small government and small taxes i don't want to see more taxes for michiganders so uh, in terms of a tax increase that's not something i'm for sure so do you have any ideas of how you would raise revenue in order to you know actually pay for better roads or more workers yep and i have some ideas about that Uh, other states do toll toll booths that work really really well uh, they bring a lot of revenue in, but they also bring revenue from out of state. And we get a lot of travel on our roads, and that requires a lot of wear and tear on our roads. Let's get some people who are traveling from Ohio and further south to, to pay for those roads. And I, I think toll booths would be a, a nice answer for that. And so are you talking toll roads that would be um, for access, in, able to access any road, or there are some toll booths that are like if you want to take like the fast lane you have to pay you know the extra fee so yep so like i-75 for example that's the main hub that people travel to get up here that would be one 
And I think that that would be a great way to get new money coming in for these road projects is the tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands maybe in the summer that, that come up here that want to enjoy our, our natural resources and aren't paying to do that. So let's, let's start charging them a little fee to come up here and that will help our roads immensely. Tourism is the largest industry in Northern Michigan. Do you think that's something that should, and I, I think it's going to be here for the foreseeable future, but are there, is there a need for industry to expand in different avenues in order for Northern Michigan to continue to succeed? Yeah, so tourism, that's a really interesting one. I've been talking with a lot of groups in the area, and the Pure Michigan program got uh, got cut back a little bit during COVID, and it hasn't seen that full growth back yet to incentivize, uh, not incentivize, but advertise for people to come and visit Northern Michigan and enjoy our beautiful state. So I think I'd like to see more more funding getting allocated to Pure Michigan because as you said, tourism is one of our biggest industries up here in the 107th. In the Sioux, for example, Harbor, Springs, Petoskey, all of them rely on tourism. So if we can get stuff to drive more people up here, I think that's only a positive. Sure, but do you think that there should be other industries other than just tourism? Because like we saw with the pandemic that really restricted, you know, there was not a whole lot of, I mean, I have family members who work in hospitality, run hotels, that sort of thing. And they were hurting because when there's no tourism, there's very few other options in northern Michigan. Yeah, so um, I think that's uh, crucial. And I do. I would like to see, right now I believe we have like a three to five month economy. And I would like to see us gear towards more towards a 12 month economy up here. So if we can bring in new industry, for example, in Traverse City, they're... They are big into the technology industry. It's, it's software, basically. And I'd like to piggyback off of that. I think that'd be a really positive thing. It's low impact on the environment, and it'd be great high-paying jobs to raise the GDP. So that is something I'd like to look more towards. But we go back to that housing, and I think housing's the root cause of a lot of our problems up here. So I think we need to address the housing problem, and then we can start look, dabbling in bringing new industry up here. So you keep you keep mentioning housing. So I guess we can talk about that for a little bit. The there's a lot of issues that go into housing. You don't really know which problem that you have to solve first. So where would you start with housing? Yeah. So there's there's a lot of good things happening up here right now, but I don't think we need to look more towards Section Eight housing. I think we need family housing um, and employee housing. I think those two are really crucial. And I want to do this from the lens of the private. Uh, private sector. I do not want to see government subsidies helping this because I I don't believe government subsidies work or help. So I'd like to see private industries, and I have talked with a lot lot of private businesses up here that are willing to look into the housing, and I don't want to go into into who they are because that would competitively not be good for me. But um, So the private sector, I think, can help a lot in this. And then I'd like to see... um, in terms of housing, I want to see um, more robust expansion in some of our smaller communities like Pelston, uh, like uh, when you get into the UP. I, th- I think those are hubs that could be really great for business, and we could attract more people up here if we expanded those places a little bit. So you mentioned private industry trying to be the driving force behind creating more affordable housing. 
Um, but that can kind of be a delicate balance at some point because one of the reasons that uh, housing is so expensive, especially in the most recent years, is because of private industry with Airbnb um, and a lot of businesses trying to buy homes to house their employees. So where would you, especially on the Airbnb issue, because you know Republicans tend to be very interested in private property rights and being able mm-hmm. to have the freedom to do with what you want. But if that's causing harm to the growth of Northern Michigan, how would you handle that? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. I think we need to look at rental properties and family properties as being two separate entities right now because I don't want to um, that the short-term rentals is, I think, a different topic. We need to attract people up here. I think we need more family housing and more more families coming up. So uh, the short-term rental, um, and we can go into the short-term rental right now. So I... For me, I you need to respect the private property because that is a integral part of our our constitutional rights in, as Americans. So that and then local control. So I think you need to marry those two up together uh, better than they are right now with legislation. But I foresee this will get resolved uh, before I can get into office. However, I I do want to see um, some some better language in in the legislation right now that marries the two up a little better. Sure. I think I think the final topic that I have is I think that it's kind of lulled since but it'll it'll likely come back up in marijuana. So where where do you stand on that? You you mentioned local control and a lot of people mention that when the topic is brought up. So so where would you stand on that issue? Yeah, and I don't really think that should be a state issue right now. I th- um I think local municipalities should have more control on this topic and it seems to be that way right now um in alanson for example they voted not to have not to have any uh, marijuana stores in their in their city limits and i think that's fine uh, but i would like to see uh, local control have uh have a higher say than state government sure so i end every show with letting the guest give his or her last thoughts to the audience is there any topic or any issues that you would like to address the voters before we wrap up yeah so i'm i'll go through kind of kind of my campaign pitch and um you've heard earlier i really truly want to get the youth involved more in politics i think it's essential for our republican party and that's something i'm going to fight really hard for when i am in lansing i am going to work really hard and i think a part of this job is listening really well and the good thing about being young is we're willing to listen better than better than other people would. So I think that's a really big selling point and it's resonating with a lot of people up here. And I want to mention my family's our my family's background a little bit and how I want to follow in their footsteps of service to the community and service in the private sector as well. We've been up here for over 125 years. We love this place. I'm super invested. Me and my fiance, Victoria, plan on raising the sixth generation up here. So I, I truly love this place, and I promise to to uh, represent everybody here with integrity, truth, and tra- transparency. I think that's essential when you get down to Lansing, and you can't lose sight of that. All right. Parker, thanks for being on today. Yep. Thank you so much, Nick. <laughs>